0: He scores! Gilmore scores! With one three left. Off the glass, it left one to Aguila. Aguila A left circle. Passing to Elliott shot save made by
1: Aguila. three bounds another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They
0: score! And the sea of red erupts.
2: Flame Starts now on SportsNet 960, The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All
1: right, we are underway on this Tuesday, August 15th. Flames Talk is back for a couple of weeks. Steinberg Vickers along with you. Welcome to the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Yeah, Steinberg and Vickers coming at you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. In just a few minutes, we'll uh, say hello to Tori Peterson from calgaryflames.com. Talk some Blame's prospects. Also, it's been almost two months since we were all at the draft in Nashville, which is hard to wrap your head around that already more than a month and a half has passed since being in uh, being in Nashville, but wanted to to get some thoughts from the a behind the scenes standpoint as to how Craig Conroy and Jerome McGinley's first draft went. We'll uh, do that with Piz in just a few minutes. Jason Labarbera, Flames goaltending coach, going to join us in uh, a little while as well. But uh, I guess as uh, we'll kick things off with with a little bit of news that I think a lot of people have um, tied to the Calgary Flames, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on this quickly before we uh, before we bring in Tory, but. Um, Red Wings make a trade today. They acquired Jeff Petrie. And I saw a lot of people, whether it be even a little group chat we're in or a lot of people on social media immediately tying that to, oh, geez, the Red Wings acquire Petrie. That takes them out of a potential Noah Hannafin trade or makes them less likely to be a team that goes and gets a guy like Noah Hannafin. Do you see it that way? Do you, did, did that cross your mind immediately? Or when you saw people make that link, did you, uh, what did you think?
0: I don't necessarily think it precludes the Detroit Red Wings for being one of the teams in on Noah Hannafin, and I'm not saying this from an insider perspective or anything. When we talked yesterday about what has happened in your absence, what hasn't happened in your absence, and talked at length about Noah Hannafin, there were two teams I was kind of looking at. Remember we ran through the list. There's like eight teams over the cap. There's another 15 that have a million or less, and there's another... Anyways, long story short, 75% of the league couldn't take on Noah Hannafin's contract purely as a for-futures deal. right? Buffalo and Detroit are two teams that could. Detroit still can, even after this uh, Jeff Petrie move. And I'm just looking at who they have currently on the roster. And yes, they've got eight defensemen up, according to Cap Friendly. Jared McIsaac, I don't think, is necessarily a legit threat to play NHL games this season with the seven that they've already got, unless they run into injury trouble. But on this list, there's not one guy other than Moritz Sider who's a right shot, and no Hannafin's a left shot, that I go... Oh yeah, I don't know how they were gonna squeeze Noah Hannafin in there. Like, if they were to go out and get Noah Hannafin, he's being the left side of the top pairing with Merit yeah, side. no, Sider. Are the two that's best no disrespect guys. to agreed. Ben uh Sherrod. It's been the it's been a summer. Um Shane Gosses Justin Hall, Jake Wallman, who I know they like because he was a guy that was gonna be a pending unrestricted free agent coming in the summer, and he was one of those guys that I wondered if the Calgary Flames might take a swing at. They re signed him on a three year deal at three point four. Ole Matta, I don't think, is necessarily scaring anybody. And then you have the addition of Petrie, who, again, is a right shot. So if you look at their left-shot defenseman, there there really isn't one that I would go, oh, that's Noah, That's going to preclude any Noah Hannafin move. If the Detroit Red Wings are still interested in adding what, in my opinion, would be a top pair defenseman, Noah Hannafin fits the bill. And I
1: still think that I'm I'm with you. I didn't think... I mean, I do think it makes it slightly less likely just because... From an asset standpoint, the Red Wings could very well look at it and say, no, we wanted to add a defenseman. We've added Petrie, so now we're not going to go down the road if they were even interested in a guy like Hannafin probably makes it a little less likely, but I don't think it completely precludes. And, and, and so I just wanted to start there because I saw a lot of people talking about that on social media and a lot of people uh, wondering if, if that means that's another destination uh, that, that Hannafin might not end up in if they're able to trade him between now and you know whether it's the start of the season or, or sometime early on in the year.
0: Does it drop the urgency from a Detroit Red Wings perspective? Perhaps. Potentially, yeah. But I don't think it necessarily eliminates the fit. And to me, it would make a lot of sense from from a Detroit Red Wings perspective that they haven't been in the playoffs for a while. They went out and made a lot of moves this summer to make themselves more competitive. They're going to have a lot of internal growth. And I think for me, maybe perhaps the Noah Hanna thin thing, and this will probably not make sense because it's going to be a bit of a reach. But when you talk about slotting uh, Simon Edvinson, the prospect uh, yeah. left shot six foot six smooth skating defenseman. I think he played nine games in the NHL last year, something like that. They might want to bring him along a little bit more, not urgently, but give him a legit yep. shot. So all of a sudden, that's going to plug up one of your uh, lefty positions. But even still, this is a team that needs to be more competitive, needs to make a push to be a playoff team this year. They weren't that far off. They fell off a little bit, and I believe, in late February. They went on a five or six-game losing streak. That really kind of put the dagger in their season. But boy, would an addition like Noah Hannafin certainly bolster that blue line, which I, I'll be honest. There's a lot of quality names there, but there are not a lot of names there that make me go, oh, this is going to be an elite defense in the NHL this year.
1: A lot of people have wondered about Buffalo. Is that a team that could go after him? But is that a place that Noah's going to sign back in? Uh, I wonder about Nashville. Is that a spot that you could uh, find a landing spot? Just taking a look solely at cap space. Um, And I know Nashville is a very popular place for players to sign just the... Uh, lifestyle, tax situation, all of that. I know a lot of guys really look at Nashville very favorably. So that's how uh, we'll kick off the program. Steinberg Vickers, along with you, here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio on this Tuesday edition of Flames Talk. We'll talk some goaltending with Jason LaBarbera coming up in just a little bit. The Flames goaltending coach going to join us, uh, kind of about midway through this hour. But uh, right now, it's time to uh, say, look, look, look who, uh, yeah, who decided to did you turn? mic's on everything looks straight. professional she's ready to rock and roll she knows what she's doing uh piz is with us tori peterson in studio i think she came in solely to get her phone charged but uh she's here nonetheless hi piz
2: that isn't incorrect it was dying while i was out <laughs> and i asked you right away do you have a phone charger
0: and her walking phone let's be specific yes, on this let's get the facts straight there's a very there's
1: a very important person uh a vip with two phones uh how are you well it's the first time first time we've had piz on since the draft how you doing
2: I'm good. The summer is flying. I'm just seeing the clock in front of me. It says August 15th. And that feels surreal. Like that, when you said two months since the draft. I had to like double check in my head. Didn't like, your, no
1: way. didn't your, uh, of course, Tori Peterson, CalgaryFlames.com and uh, Calgary flames digital. Didn't your, uh, didn't your social medias put out 58 days yesterday on Monday, yes. Oliver, Oliver Shillington, Shillington days away from the start of the regular season. Did I see that correctly?
2: You did. That was yesterday. I posted it. I should know. and I, I had to take a second and recollect that. The summer is just a weird time.
1: Yeah, I know. And uh, it's flying by and it's been draft was end of June and we're middle of August. So it's been month and a half since we were all in Nashville for the NHL draft and, and, kind of wanted to you know we can we can have a conversation about the the flames draft and the players they picked but i just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on you've you've been at you've been behind the scenes at nhl drafts for what 15 years
0: something like that
2: like a decade at least i don't i don't want to count too much
0: three but three different at least a decade because we did what would would have been the first one minnesota pittsburgh somewhere in there and that was that was minnesota
1: was your first one yeah that's right, because we were
0: in Salt Lake on the return home. I remember we were stranded there forever. Yeah, so I think you're at least at a dozen. You had to have been doing it before I was there.
2: We're getting old. All three Don't, of us. No.
0: <laughs> nope. Nope. The uh just us. But three different regimes, right?
2: Yeah. Jay
1: Feaster, Brad Tree Living, and, and now the first one with uh with Craig Conroy. What was what was uh a Craig Conroy now, I know there's only so much you can tell us from behind the scenes, but like what was uh what was Craig Conroy's first draft like? Hey, was it was it frantic was was connie running around with his hair on fire i don't think so uh but you were there like uh, give it give us a a little bit of a behind the scenes view of of a craig conroy draft for the first time
2: it wasn't frantic like that um every draft feels like it is just go 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 24 7 because there's so much crammed in and this year with the awards being in nashville and having michael Backlund be up for an award and winning it uh, it felt busier than usual but craig was very calm the whole time he was like They have the same scouting staff. Todd button is great. And he's been there for a long time and knows Craig very well, obviously from working with him over the years. So they have their process in place that Craig is so familiar with. It's not like he's new to the organization. He knows exactly what goes on at a draft and how Todd operates, how his scouts operate. um, And he would have had an idea of how he would want to operate a draft going in, given his past experience. So that in that sense, it was, it felt very, nothing was out of the ordinary for us. Um, I feel like perhaps he probably did a few more interviews given that this was his first draft. Right. There was a few more media requirements from him externally. Internally, we had uh, really great access The Sharon Govich trade obviously came before the draft, uh, being there with him and having him to be able to speak to that right away was great. Uh, so from an insider's perspective, it wasn't that much different than past drafts, but, uh, I think that is all because of Connie's experience here and right. how long he's been in the organization.
1: So what was it like? Cause I remember coming down to the team hotel to do a few interviews and all of a sudden, and I knew Jerome was back with the organization. We'd interviewed him on this show and he, we, we knew that this was going to be his first event, kind of first big event as a member of the flames management crew. But then I remember him walking by me and I'm like, oh, jeez, there's Jerome Ginla, And not just that it's Jerome Ginla, but Jerome Ginla in a Calgary Flames golf shirt and a pair of Calgary Flames shorts. And I was just like, jeez, it's been too long since I've seen him wearing that, that logo somewhere on him. And to see, like, he was just like, jeez, it just felt right seeing Jerome stroll through the team hotel wearing Flames colors. What uh, what was it like having Jerome as part of the management crew for the first time at a draft?
2: I think for Jerome, this was a really eye-opening experience. He hasn't been to the draft as a member of an organization before, and he probably doesn't really remember his draft that well anyway. Like, it was in the 90s, right? So it's everything has changed since then. Um, It's much bigger nowadays, so for him this felt more like a learning experience. We talked to him a bit, uh, but I I would assume, and he would say the same thing, I'm sure that this was just for him to absorb the process and understand how the scouting staff works, how Todd works, how Conroy works, Um, and you saw him, he was very involved in development camp following up to that. So for him, it was the start of a pretty busy period with the organization to get his feet wet and understand what it's like and how we're dealing with prospects and the development route for these guys and also Ray Edwards and the development team and working with them um, and figuring out how he can fit in with that group and what they need from him. So uh, I, th- I would assume Jerome was a, the exact same thing I'm going to say, but this was a, a learning summer for Jerome yeah. as he gets ready to really ramp up his responsibilities.
0: So go ahead. Sorry. I was just curious. Like. Understanding that Jerome isn't in calgary twenty four seven but I'm just wondering what the vibe is when he is around whether it's at the draft or at development camp, as you mentioned, because every time you see Jerome it hasn't sunk in yet that it's not Jerome like the franchise it's Jerome who's working in hockey ops now. it's not Jerome the franchise, so every time I see him, I'm like, franchise, what's it like when he's here to work
2: uh, I think you saw from the prospects and especially at development camp or sorry at the draft. Uh, The photo of Jaden Lipinski shaking his hand with the mouth wide open, like he could not Mm -hmm. comprehend that he was shaking hands with Jerome McGinley in that moment. Uh, I think for a lot of us who have known Jerome over the years, including when he played here, um, it's a little different. Um, I, I, for me, it's just another member of the hockey op staff now, but for the prospects and the players drafted this year, you can see the excitement that they get to work with someone they grew up watching and idolizing. He's not that far removed from them. And they're being able to learn from this guy who they've idolized. Like that is such an incredible experience for young players to go through. And at development camp, he was very, very hands-on talking with kids after his practices, going over things that he thought that they could work on. Um, so for them, I think this is really beneficial. And I think having him being in his mid forties now, he's not that old. He's not that far removed from the game. He still looks Looks like like he he could could play. play. Yeah. He's like Marty Jelena, right? Like you look at him, you go, "Oh, that guy could play, like he could play competitively. Um, that's a huge bonus for the organization to have him there and being able to provide that feedback to players who are not that far removed from him.
0: Probably still rips at 95 miles an hour too.
1: Yeah, I could see that doesn't look like there's an ounce of uh there's an ounce of fat on that body so Jerome is still, Jerome's still Jerome when you yes. take they're like yep that's still the uh that's still the same guy that we uh we we knew um Tory Peterson's in studio with us here this hour of flames talk underway on a Tuesday it was it was fun i, I did you guys did, did the two of you pick up on the same thing that that i did in that it seemed like there was a little bit of um a little bit of a theme when it came to the draft class this year—it it looked like in Craig Conroy's first year as the general manager, first draft as general manager—an uh, emphasis put on kind of that big skill. Uh, a lot of the players that were drafted were big, but it was the size mixed with skating and and that whole idea of big skill that that felt like that was the number one takeaway. If you were to take a look at the entire draft class, that's what I came away with. Is is that was was that something that stood out to either of you?
2: Yeah, they're, the kids are big. Um, that's definitely noticeable when you're meeting them; they tower over you. Uh, but when we saw them at development camp, I think the thing that people see when they go, "Okay, this kid is six foot four or six foot two or whatever it may be," can he skate? We saw that these kids definitely can skate. Uh, Sam Hanzik, uh, we'll single him out here. Yeah, tremendous skater for a kid his size. He is already physically built for the NHL at age eighteen. He's a big, big kid. But that doesn't limit his skating in any way. So I think going in, yeah, it's easy to say, like, yeah, they they went with size this draft. But there was also a very big emphasis on skating and skill. This can't just be size because you can't just be big in the NHL anymore. We all know this. Everyone knows this. You need to have the skill and the skating to keep up with the pace. So that was a huge emphasis as well. And I think when you're looking on paper, though, you just see, you know, six foot two, six foot three, six foot four, six foot five. So. I yeah, it wasn't figures. it wasn't
0: size for the sake of size. They had to have the actual skill element. It's funny yeah. you go through it and you said Hansig Suniev's six two, six three. You've got Jaden Lipinski who's six four. You got Axel Hertig, the Swedish defenseman, six foot four. Like poor Etienne Moran is six foot one eighty and he's the runt of the litter. Like he's still very sizable at six foot one eighty. And he's the little guy of the group. So I mean, there was an emphasis on getting size, but it wasn't just let's take the tallest, heaviest guy we can find and then we'll see if we can make him a hockey player. You had to be a hockey player first, and then the bonus was that you've got the size to compete.
1: Well, because I just remember when Hanzek came and sat down with me, when Lipinski came and sat down with me, you're like, these guys, both these guys could be nightclub bouncers right
0: now. The paws they had on them. Massive hands. You're like...
1: uh, uh, you're like these guys are pretty. Uh, these guys are pretty close to already being NHL ready in terms of their their size and their bulk. You're like, it's impressive for 18 year old kids. And and so I just I, I came away from I, I came away from it. Then listening to the different scouting reports and, and Piz, as you say, yeah, it wasn't just because they were big, but there was I, I think there was definitely an emphasis on having that skill and and size mix. And, and even talking to Craig over the years, I know that's always been something that he's been very, very adamant about. Not that the Flames needed more or less of it, just like that's always been something that he's really big been a big fan of. So I, I don't know if I was super shocked that in his first draft That's the type of player that they really seem to covet and that they went after with
0: their six picks.
2: They're well-rounded players. You can't, like we had mentioned, like you can't draft size just for size. That's just not a thing you do anymore. You can't
0: go Hugh Jessamine in 2012 and expect that to work. 2012? No, 2003. 2003, yeah. Former Abbotsford Heat. Is he Abbotsford Heat? Yeah, Hugh Jessamine played in Abbotsford. He did. Yeah but not before being drafted by the New York Rangers and becoming the last member of that draft class to play play a game. game. And I think he only played like five or six or something like
2: that. You can't do that anymore Mm -hmm. though, right? The the pace is far too high to have a guy who can just kind of lumber through and maybe make it in the AHL at that speed. You can't do that anymore because you're limiting your prospect pool. And Craig is very well versed with this organization's prospect pool, obviously. And he knew what needed to be added to it as he was going forward. And having a well-rounded mix of players was a necessity.
1: Do you I, I let's talk about Hanzik specifically because coming out of development camp, it was him and Coronado that I think most people were buzzing most about uh in terms of the way they looked. And just watching Hanzik shoot it and watching how quickly that puck flies off his stick, and you're like, okay, there's there's not a lot that you can evaluate, at least for me. Not I'm not, I'm not a skilled hockey evaluator, but I've gone to enough development camps that I'm like, okay, you probably kinda, you can't really get a huge gauge on what a player is from a development camp. But one thing that you can usually be pretty confident about is if a guy's got an NHL-looking shot, and that's exactly what Hanzik's shot looked It'll like. It'll
0: rattle your ears as you stand by the glass. Holy. And,
1: and so we talked about physically, dude looks like a man. Guy shoots it at a high level. I know that the and, and Vickers were gonna Vickers and I were gonna talk about this on this show today anyway. Um, so I wanted to bounce it off of you, and both of you weigh in on this. Like, is it crazy to think that this could be a guy that makes a push in training camp? I know that you don't want to have that expectation on him, and you don't want to say you better make the team out of camp. But this is one of the deepest drafts in years. He's a top twenty pick in one of the deepest drafts in years. Is it completely out of the question? Should we be limiting a guy like Sam Hansak and saying, No, no, he's clearly going back to Vancouver. That's the only place that he's going. What what about the idea of him knocking on the door and, and being a factor at training camp and maybe opening the door to that 10 game trial? I I just I'm not saying that we should expect that. I just I, I don't think it's as out of the question as it would be with other guys.
2: I agree with you. I think a better evaluation will come in Penticton in September. Because like you said. Development camp is such a short stint and it's hard to evaluate guys doing skilled drills with Ray Edwards squad. They're working on a development plan for these kids. It's not necessarily to show off to us what they can do. We get a little bit of a glimpse. Like you said, the shot is obviously NHL level already at age 18, Um, The size is already there, but I think for all of us who are looking ahead to, is this a guy who can push for a roster spot? I don't think it's fair to say that until seeing him against his peers in Penticton, other top prospects, seeing how he plays, where he slots in in that group, and then going from there. Because if this is a guy who comes into Penticton his first year in the organization and blows the wheels off that rookie tournament and is our best player there, then hey, maybe there is a shot that this guy's a dark horse coming into camp and can really push for a roster spot at a young age. But I don't think it's fair to make that guess yet just because we don't have um, a really good evaluation period with what he can do, given development camp was what? Three days on ice? Three, I think.
0: Yeah, I don't think the expectation, as we sit on Tuesday, August 15th, and that is that he's a member of the Calgary Flames in the 2023-24 season. That said, we've kind of had that expectation in the past on some guys, namely Sean Monaghan and Matthew Kachuk, and they took that development camp experience, learned what they needed to do to get to the next step. Now, granted, those were both top six picks. Now, I, what I'm more curious about, and you kind of alluded to it, Pat, a little bit there, that I'm curious where you stand on the debate of does he get games, And how many, and this will hinge to what you said, Tori. is he's got to come in and blow the doors off of rookie camp. He's got to tear it up in Penticton, and then he's got to show in main camp that he can maintain that because we've seen a lot of guys over the course of the past years show really well in Penticton, do well in the rookie situation, and then sort of fizzle out a little bit when the big boys come into camp, and it's for real now. So he's got to show it through all those stages, but I'm curious that if he does, does he get NHL games and how many? it feels like
1: just knowing what craig conroy has said all along about wanting the team to be a little bit younger and there are some roster spots open potentially yeah i mean you have a 10 game trial i don't i don't think that you do it just for the sake of doing it but if you have that trial and i remember i remember Matthew Kachuk is the last guy, and that would have been seven years ago now, but Matthew Kachuk's the last guy that came right out of his draft year and made the team out of camp, and we weren't sure if he was going to last the entire 10 games until you saw him play in the NHL. You're like, okay, well, this guy's clearly not going back to junior hockey, and and so it's been a little while. I think Yuso Valamaki was, he made a push, if I remember correctly, in his first training camp, but eventually got sent back to Tri-City as one of the later cuts, it's just been a long time, and, and I think that with him being physically more mature than a lot of guys that the Flames have drafted in that same area, in that kind of 15 to 25 range where they've picked in the last four or five years, I think that he's more physically ready to push than a guy like Pelche was, or a guy like Zeri was. Or, so I just, I, I, I wonder about it. And I just think it would be a cool story if if that's something that we're talking about to or Three weeks into training camp.
0: Yeah, I don't think you gift him any games. You don't just volunteer him games. If he doesn't earn it, he doesn't get it. But I do think that there's a value of him getting games as an education tool to show him where he is in his journey, whether how close he is and that can be a motivating tool or how far he is, which can certainly be a motivating tool as well. So I think there's a value there, but it's not a situation where I think you can just gift him games for the sake of him discovering how close or how far away he is.
2: And preseason will be a great, great springboard for that as well. Like you mentioned, you're in camp. It's one thing to go through drills in camp, but seeing him in preseason games, especially those later ones, if he remains in camp and has a really good showing, that will be a really telling sign for this organization. And I think the coaching staff is very amenable to that idea as well, of being able to let younger guys make that push and see if they have the skill to make make up even 10 games. Like that's a pretty big accomplishment for an 18-year-old who was just drafted. If he's able to do that, that's a huge boon to this organization's prospect pool to have that.
1: Um, any, uh, you, the, the one guy before we, uh, and, and I can't let Piz leave without, uh, getting a world cup thought from her, but the, uh, the one guy that we did not get a chance to talk to in Nashville was, uh, was Suniev. and you did, you, you were able to get a little bit closer to him. Uh, he's a, he's an interesting player. He's, uh, he's, he's, we don't know as much about him and he's just because of some immigration issues, wasn't able to take part on some of the on ice at development camp. But uh, what, what were your impressions of him as you walked around with him at the draft?
2: Yeah, I was with him for quite a long time because we had those picks on the second day, really close together. And the first three were all there and that creates a lot of havoc with PR teams. So oftentimes will need because they're going through this gauntlet and you don't have someone you need a member of the organization to take them through so we we split up the duties and i was with Sunyev, and he is a, a very polite young man well spoken um had a really incredible year in Penticton. if you look at his stats they fly off the page at you uh, 45
0: goals 90 points in 50 games
2: yeah like that's that's some pretty good numbers really good numbers yep. that's what you like to see in a forward so he uh he's headed to the ncaa this year Um, so we'll be able to get a small glimpse of him this year, hopefully make it out for a game or two, depending on our travel schedule. Uh, but he was, he's a really intriguing prospect because the, obviously the offensive skills are there. Um, I have only seen a bit of his clips from Penticton. Uh, looks like a well-rounded player. Skating is strong, obviously has a, a pretty lethal shot. 45 goals. will tell you all you need to know there. Uh, but I'm intrigued to see him and play full games and watch full games of his because, it is an intriguing pick. I thought he would go in the, in the second round, to be honest. Yeah. And I believe the organization were like, over, I know how over jacked up moon.
1: Conroy was to get him in the
2: yeah. third they, round. They, I
0: believe were debating him and Moran at the same spot, went Moran based on need. And then Sunia was available to them in the next pick. So they were
2: visibly over the moon at the tail end of the draft yeah. that they were able to get both players. They could not Conroy. And I know every GM says that, well, you can't believe the guys were there, but you can visibly see the excitement when it's very genuine that they could not believe they managed to snag him in the third round.
1: Uh, okay. So you'll be, uh, it's uh, here we are. It's Tuesday afternoon as we're talking. Uh, so you'll Wednesday morning, you'll be up at 4am, right? It's 4am Kalki time for yes. semifinal two. Yeah. Australia, England.
2: Yes. 4am uh, tonight. Winter plays Spain, right? Yes. Which I watched this morning. So I'm like, I'm really lucky. I don't really get jet lag when I travel. Um, knock on wood here. But I feel like I have jet lag this entire month because of the Australian time zone. I've watched almost every match. Like I get right into oh, the know. Women's World Cup. You know, I text you Piz, and Piz you.
1: sends me like rundowns of the matches, and I've been I have been more into this World Cup than any World Cup ever, Women's or Men's, because of Piz.
2: So, you know, this is I've this is my month to shine. But thankfully we're nearing the end cuz I have not been sleeping on any kind of regular schedule.
0: I sense a SportsNet today appearance coming up here real quick. If you want if you
1: want somebody on the on the World Cup, like nobody is more dialed than
0: Tory. It's ridiculous. What happened to Canada?
2: Just well, look at a lot of these major countries that came in like Germany number 2, US number 1, like the rest of the world is caught up. Women's soccer has evolved so much even since 2019 that all of these smaller countries have been, been able to put in the resources necessary to grow and evolve. And no longer can you just athletically bully your way through a World Cup anymore. Like there's, You need excellent coaching, tactics, skill, all of that. You can't just be a, a one-trick pony anymore in women's soccer. Um, and I think it's amazing to see smaller countries make that push and knock out teams like the u.s and, and germany and no like i don't really have a, a horse in the race anymore um, i guess australia because what they've done for that country's sports scene has been absolutely incredible to mm-hmm. see what the matildas are doing there and you want to see the country be able to really ride this wave till the end uh but I, just enjoying watching the growth of women's soccer in real time and the evolution even since the last world cup is just an incredible story
1: uh, so that's at 4 a.m. Wednesday morning. England, Australia, semifinal two. England's the highest seed remaining as a four, right?
2: Yes. Okay. Enjoy. They won the Euros, so like they do, they're kind of the favorite here. I, I know that, but either way, I'm just going to enjoy the match at 4 a.m.
1: How how tough will Spain be in the final?
2: Well, they're quite good. Um, <laughs> as I would, I'd, i hope for whoever wins this semifinal. I guess tonight, tomorrow, whatever we want to say. I would hope that they beat Spain, but you never know. Okay. Spain is quite good.
0: So you're just anti-Spain.
2: I'm not anti-Spain. For all I the just... listeners
0: in Spain right now, <laughs> at Tori Peterson on Twitter.
2: Yeah, don't give out my handle.
0: Uh, Tori's
1: on, uh, on Twitter at that. Uh, it's really tough to find her on Twitter. It's just her name. I kind of yeah. guessed.
2: I won't lie. I
0: followed, you, I followed is, you for like a
2: decade. It Tori. Peterson. It's my burner account with my full name in it.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks for stopping in. Good stuff. Thanks, en- guys. Enjoy the, uh, enjoy the last three matches. I'll try. Tori Peterson, CalgaryFlames.com is on Twitter at Tori Peterson. Is Pat Vickers Flames Talk from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio? Wet basement? They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit DLBasementSystems.com.
2: Flames Talk is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960, the Fan, Calgary.
1: This hour rolls on on a Tuesday. Steinberg and Aaron Vickers along with you and happy to welcome in our next guest on the Atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline he just happens to be the uh goaltending coach of the calgary flames on a brand new contract uh was renewed and will remain part of this coaching staff under new head coach ryan huska and we haven't had an opportunity to chat with him this off season so i thought here we are it's it's august let's say hello to our good buddy jason LaBarbera, who joins us on the atlas pizza and sports bar guest hotline right now barbs welcome to the program how are we
3: doing Doing good, guys. Thanks. It's a good time to give me a little bit of a break than doing some of this yard work. So huh. I'm happy to uh, oblige.
1: That's what, I like. That's what I like to hear. We're uh, public service. What? Uh, yeah. What's going on? How's the summer been?
3: It's been good, yeah. Well, I uh, was uh, helping coach my son's uh, summer baseball team this year, and uh, that kept me pretty busy all through June and July, and we just got back from uh a service last week, so did a little bit of that, and uh, have a golf trip planned next week, but you know, gearing up for the season because it's uh, right around the corner.
0: How much of your NHL coaching trickles down to uh, to the kids when you're getting out there and helping out?
3: Yeah, a lot. It was a, it was a good experience for me because I've never I've never been able to coach a team like of kids, let alone a team of kids in baseball. Which you know, I know a little bit about, but I don't know a lot about. So it was uh, it was cool to be around uh, you know a bunch of eleven and twelve year olds and. And help them and, and take some of the experiences i've had and applying and coaching now and you know try to translate it over to them
1: what uh it's been a it's been a couple of months now since the new coaching staff has been uh has been put in place and we know ryan huska is the head coach and now some new members joining the fray what uh have you have you got an opportunity to like get together with the new coaching staff and spend some time together
3: yet yeah, we, uh, Ryan, myself, and Ron, uh, Kale were all at the draft, and then uh, Dan Lambert was in. He's, he lives in Nashville, so he was there too. So we got to meet Dan then. And then we had our coaches' meetings mid, I think it was about mid July, where, you know, Mark Savard came in and Trent Call at the uh, Rangers, came in. So it was good. It was a really good couple of days of, of getting to know the guys and, and uh, you know, picking each other's brains and having good discussions and seeing where everybody was at with things. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a smart group. It's a, it's a detailed group, and uh, for me, I'm certainly excited to be able to work with those guys.
1: You, uh, get, and, and this is not even uh, necessarily a, a knock on on prior the prior regime or anything like that. But you, uh, you are a part of the coaching staff going forward. You've been with the organization now for a few years and are coming back as part of this new staff. Whenever it's a new staff, whenever you've got some new blood and a brand new opportunity for a guy like Husk, I'm just curious as to the the buzz. Like, what type of buzz is there about this coaching staff and about the coming season when it comes to your group?
3: Yeah, we're all excited for sure. You know, certainly excited for Ryan. You know, he's he's an awesome guy and he's put in his time and you know nobody works as hard as Husk does and um, you know he's the one of detailed of guys you're going to get. So. You know, you're, you're excited to get to work with him on a daily basis and, and learn from him and, and learn from the new guys that are coming in. And, um, and uh, For me personally, I'm excited for a guy like Kale who has more of a role now, which is nice, you know, getting to be you know, with Kale the last couple of years. He's, he's a super smart guy who, who works his butt off. So, um, you know, that part. And then again, you bring in some new blood. So I think it's, uh, I think it's a good group. And I think, again, we're all just all excited to kind of get together and, and get into the, into the grind of it all.
1: Well, and, and you've been a part of this coaching staff now for, what, three seasons, and, and you've been with Ryan Huska the entire way. How uh, how happy are you for him that uh, Ryan's getting this opportunity as a head coach in the NHL for the first time?
3: Yeah, no, really excited. He, you know, he deserves the opportunity, and, and that's the best part about it. He's playing his time. He's he's coached all over, you know, in junior and in American League, and, and coached NHL, obviously, and now, now the head coach. and. Um, you know, I was lucky last summer. Both of our sons played baseball, summer baseball together. So we got to be around him a lot away from the rink, which was nice. And, uh, you know, you get a better feeling for guys when you're you know, away from the chaos sometimes and out of the bubble. So, um, you know, he's just a great person. And you just, you know, you're excited for him to get that opportunity. And he's going to do an awesome job.
1: We're chatting with Jason LaBarbera. He is the goaltending coach of the Calgary Flames, joining us this hour on Flames Talk on this Tuesday, Vix.
0: Jason, I'm just wondering, what does the summer look like for a goalie coach in the NHL? Because you're not necessarily able to get on the ice with your goalies. I'm just curious what goes into some of the off-season prep and work to, to better the goaltending tandem that you have.
3: Yeah, I mean, for the first little bit, you kind of leave them alone. Um, you know, you let them go home and be with their families and let them get away from things for the first couple of months. And then as, as the summer starts to roll around, uh, you know, you check in here and there, you send text messages, you give them a shout, quick conversations, those kinds of things. Send them as the summer goes along, send them some videos, some things of, um, you know, good stuff throughout the year that you saw things that, you know, things maybe that you want to pick their brain on and touch on uh, maybe some adjustments you want to make and, uh, to start the year. and um, You know, you just kind of, you kind of go from there. And then once they get here, you, you know, you're, Get on the ice with them and, and, and work with them again, and, and uh, you know, just get them get them excited to get back playing again. Because you know, they've been it's been a long time off for a lot of us. So uh, you know, everyone, especially the guys, you know, they're, they're at home, and uh, once they get back here and get back around the guys and stuff, that energy level picks up, and they're all again, like I said, they're all excited to come back.
1: We spoke to Craig Conroy. He joined us uh, at uh, the Targets for Kids event, which was, I want to say four or five weeks ago now, and Craig came and sat down with us. Was Was that?
3: I said, you didn't say hi to him. I was there.
1: Oh, that I we did not we we must have I we were sitting right there. <laughs> yeah,
3: you didn't you didn't Con- say hi to
1: us. Con- Connie came right up and sat down with us. We I,
3: we didn't even we didn't even see head nor tails of Jason. <laughs> that's awesome event, by the way. That's a that's a super cool event.
1: It is. Was that your first time?
3: Uh, I did a couple of years ago before COVID, and I was like, wow, that was really cool because I've never I never shot uh, skis like that before. So it was. I'm like, I, if they do that again, I need to go back. So yeah, it was uh, it was cool.
1: Yeah, it would have been nice if you would have come and say hi to us, but I, I get it.
0: <laughs> he was a celebrity there. He's got other things to do. He
1: see, you see yeah. enough of me during the season anyway, so you don't you don't need to come say hi. Um, and I, I mentioned that because Craig was talking about having an opportunity to chat with Jacob, uh, Jacob Markstrom and how fired up he said Jacob was and how dialed in he is and how excited he is to get back. We all know that Jacob was not happy with the way last season went. We all know that it was a frustrating year for him, but you know what, what is your account of, of Jacob Markstrom's headspace? What are you picking up when it comes to how dialed in for the coming year? Jacob is.
3: Yeah, no, he is for sure. I mean, like, From last year, I mean, everybody was frustrated. It was a frustrating year for every single person in that building. So, um, you know, as a goalie, you know, especially someone as, you know, Jacob's stature, he's going to put a lot of that on himself, and and that's part of what makes him, you know, a top guy in the league. So you have those high expectations of yourself, and, you know, he didn't feel like he met those expectations, obviously. And Like I said, as a group, none of us felt, obviously, you know met those expectations so um you know again you get away you get away from it and you you sort of ponder things and think about stuff and think about different things you can do better and and i think that's what he's done and um you know he realizes he's got to come back with a bit of a chip on his shoulder and that's all part of growing as an athlete and and you know again being a tough guy in the league and um i have no doubt that he'll he'll come back to camp and uh, again, with a bit of a chip on his shoulder, ready to go, and prove himself, proved again that he's, you know, again, one of the top guys in the league.
1: The, um, the mental side and the, the, the competitive side and, and how, how he prepares himself, how, how much of a strength, I, I believe that you have um, described that as elite before, just the way that he prepares himself and his competitive nature and just how much he cares, but how much of a, a strength in his game is that for Jacob?
3: it it can it, it can go both ways it's a fine line right like you you appreciate that about guys that are you know again elite athletes they they like i said like i said they hold themselves to a higher standard they put a lot on themselves and um, but at the same time you, you you can when it's not going your way sometimes you, you try to do too much and i think not only Jacob, but just any whether it's a goalie or athlete golfer football player whatever it is thats sometimes you see look at the jays right now what they're hitting like you can see they're all pressing because they're all trying to you know do it all in one swing and, and that's just not how it works so um you know when you when you do that to yourself uh it's almost like a self-sabotage and, and you know you're you probably like subconsciously you know you're doing it uh but it's hard to get out of it sometimes so you know it's uh i think at times he you know he, he did that to himself last year and again like i said we all do that to ourselves um you know but i think it's a, it's a learning lesson and he learns from it and that's again that's part of what makes him is what makes him elite is he does do that but there is a fine line of not going across the line and uh making it that much harder on yourself
1: well i just one of the things that i said a lot last year is as the year was going along and have certainly uh, talked a lot about since the season has come to an end is that you take a look at elite goalies over the last 10-15 years i mean i take a look at uh, Jonathan Quick has had a couple of down years when he was at his very best. Henrik Lundqvist, Carey Price. I just take a look at at, at top goalies in this league, high end goalies in this league, and every once in a while, I'm, Connor Hellebuck had it. There's there's a down year, and and for whatever reason, it's tough to get that year back on track. But when you have a track record of a certain level of play for three, four, five years prior to that down year, most times goaltenders are able to get back to that. And and that's one of the things that I'm subscribing to or or kind of pushing uh, others to subscribe to when it comes to Jacob Markstrom um, because he, he did have a proven track record prior to this year. It, it was a frustrating year. You just said it, but that doesn't mean that what he did before, the four or five years before, just goes out the window, right?
3: Oh, 100%. Like, you, you said it best. Like, your your career track re- record is, um, like, he's proven himself for a reason, right? So that just doesn't go away. Um, you know, and there's a lot of factors that go into success, especially goalie success. I mean, you named off a lot of guys, and, you know, there could be injuries, it's the team in front of you, obviously yourself and how you're playing, et cetera, et cetera. So there's so many um, factors, I guess, yeah, that, 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 that go into it, um, you know, but – you know, Jacob's been in the league for a long time. He, he he knows what he needs to do, he knows how to prepare properly, he knows all those things and um like I said, there's no doubt that he's gonna come back like I said with a chip on his shoulder and, and, and come and have a good year for us. And that's what he's done his whole career and there's really there's no reason why to, to, to think that he won't.
1: What what's your role when it comes to a guy like Jacob specifically, you know, wh- wh- and and we'll talk about Dan and Dustin as well. But now those are younger goaltenders. Those are goalies that are still finding their way in pro hockey. Jacob is an established pro. You know, he's not that far removed from being the runner up to the Vesna Trophy. So what is Jason LaBarber, the goaltending coach? What's What's your role with Jacob? How much... Like you're not reinventing his game, you're not telling him uh you're not you're not telling him how to play the position at this point in his career so what what's your role with a guy like Jacob?
3: Well, I know exactly you're 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 maintaining is the biggest thing. you're maintaining their your emotions, maintaining their energy levels, um, you know trying to maintain their game as best as you can with whether it's goalie skates or your team practices or video um, you know I have lots of conversations um you know. Again, I was lucky enough to play for a long time, so there's a lot of things that I, you know, go back to from from a former player's experience, um, you know, and that's that's the biggest thing. Is, is like I said, you're just you're trying to keep them emotionally level. It's hard because it's such a long season. There's so many up and downs, and the season can be a roller coaster, um, you know, and that's that's kind of your role is is, is is and your job is is really just try to maintain all that stuff for them. And it's there's certainly days where uh, you you almost need it for yourself as a goalie coach too because there's a lot of highs and lows to it as well. Uh, you take a lot of the brunt, you take a lot of the heat for it too. Um, you know, but as for for me with Jacob, that's that's a big part of it is is just trying to maintain all
0: that stuff. Jason, I'm curious about this next answer to this question because as you mentioned, you are a former goalie, not just a goalie coach, but you've played the position. You played games in 12 NHL seasons, uh, 10 AHL seasons under your belt. Do you want him? Coming back, remembering the fire from last season, or do you want him to have taken the summer and completely wipe out the twenty twenty two twenty three season from his mind?
3: I think it's like anything; you have to have a little bit of balance to it. I think there's lots of things you just got to let go and and, and forget about. Uh, but there's some things for sure you can grab onto, and um, you know whether it's physically, technically, or emotionally. So uh, I think it, it's good to have a little bit of that a little bit of that uh, fire, I guess, you know, in the sense of like, hey, I didn't have my best year. Uh, it pisses you off, but you don't want it to encompass everything, yeah. right? Um, so there, there, there's, a, there's a balance to that. I think it's, I think, again, I think the elite guys, the elite athletes, they, they're they able to find ways to compartmentalize a lot of stuff, but also keep stuff in the back of their minds that help motivate them. Um, you know, I think that's important.
1: Jason LaBarbera, Flames goaltending coach with us. A couple more with Barb's as we continue on this hour of Flames Talk. You know, I was thinking as 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 we're having this conversation, we're talking about uh, Jacob, and then you've got Dan and Dustin, and, and the last goalie to start a game for you in the Flames was Dustin Wolf, and picks up that win in Game 82 against the San Jose Sharks, and then he goes on. We we know that he ends up winning goaltender of the year, and then he becomes the uh, first goaltender in the American League to win Most Valuable Player since Jason Labarbera did it uh, when he was in the American League. Did you uh, have you and uh, have you and Dustin talked about that at all?
3: Yeah, I sent him a message when he won it. That's uh, that's pretty cool, right? Like, I'm just surprised that not a goalie hasn't won it since that. That feels like a lifetime ago. Um, but the fact that he did it obviously is really cool and. Um, I mean, the kid's done everything you could ask of him. So uh, it's a cool thing, again, to have, you know, in his back pocket. Like, you know, I told him you get to be, you know, my age when you retire and get to be my age. It's something that you always, you know, you probably don't fully appreciate at the time. But when you get to be older and look back, it's it's uh, something really cool to have.
0: Now, did you quiz him on who the last goalie was to win it? Did he know or did you have to tell him?
3: Well, I think every I think everybody was talking about it that that, that I was the last guy to do it. So I think he knew right away.
1: Um, What uh, you look, you, you have worked with him before you've been around him, but then you got an opportunity to work with him at the NHL level. And, and he makes his NHL debut in game 82. I'm just curious what your impressions were of Dustin Wolf and, and his first few days in the NHL and getting that start to wrap up the year.
3: Well, you're just excited that he gets the opportunity first and foremost. I mean any anytime it doesn't matter who you are, you get a chance to play it. Even if it's just one game in the NHL, that's a huge accomplishment. So, um, you know, hopefully that's just the start for him, but you know, I was excited for him to get the opportunity and you know, he he did a good job. I mean the game was, was what it was. It was almost felt like an exhibition game that night. Um, but yeah. you know, he, he, he you know, once he settled in he was himself and, and, and he did a great job and um you know, like, like I said, he's done pretty much everything you could ask of him. He's just gotta keep working and and uh whenever his opportunity comes, like that's that's when he gets his chance to go with it. So, you know, the 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 future's bright for him for sure. Look,
1: I don't wanna get you in trouble, but as a as a goaltending coach have you if if this had to be the case, have you uh have you ever been a goalie coach with three goalies before?
3: Uh well the that, that bubble year uh with the uh oh, that's right
1: with the taxi
3: squad, six, right? Yeah. yeah, that was awesome. So um three is always tough it doesn't matter who it is uh it's tough for everybody it's tough for the goalies it's tough for the coaches it's tough for everybody so we'll see what happens i i don't know what's gonna what's gonna happen but um we got time see
1: i i you did you did a good job of not getting yourself in trouble even though i tried my best (laughs) i mean i guess the follow-up
0: would be have you strategized? everybody i've talked to thus far whether it's uh jordan sigalette craig conroy more AHL games can't hurt Dustin Wolf, but he is ready for NHL games. Have you theorized or, like, the back of a napkin, tried to figure out if there's a scenario and how you can get him those NHL games?
3: Yeah, there's lots of conversations, obviously, about that stuff. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, what are we, what are we right now? August, what? August 15th. 15th. Yeah, right. So there's still lots of time and, 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 One thing I know from playing and just being around the game, like, all that stuff figures itself out. Uh, You go for every scenario, you try and map it out, but, um, you know, whenever that situation uh, sorts itself out, it'll sort itself out.
1: Last, uh, last kind of topic, last uh, last question or two, and that's that's on Dan. Um, now he's got two full seasons in the NHL under his belt, and, and year one, you know, the the Flames are in the conversation for the Jennings. Year two, a little bit more frustrating. So for a young goalie like Dan, who now has two full years under his belt as an NHL goaltender, like what, what can last year do for him as a learning experience?
3: I think everything. I think, it, you know, he's he got that first full year with us two years ago and got an idea of what the league was like. And, you know, he come into your second year and, you know, he was really good in stretches for us last year, you know, you know, when, when we needed him to be. And, um, you know, he he played a lot of big hockey games for us last year and got more experience in, like, good or bad. Whatever kind of experience, like I said, whether it's good or bad, is always good for a young guy. Um, you know, and there were stretches again he was just okay but he, again like he, he's learning and he's still young and I think he's still scratching the surface. I still think there's lots of room for, of, of uh improvement for him and a lot of room for growth and, you know, he he wants that and he and he you know, he works his butt off. So that's uh for me as a coach that's the cool thing to see a guy like that who's who's hungry and who's willing to pretty much do whatever you ask him to do and, and uh again I think the future is still great for him. And that
1: working relationship with him and Jacob's pretty strong too, hey?
3: Yeah, like, like I said you guys all year, like the the biggest thing with those two is they're just great people. At the end of the day, like, they're just awesome human beings and, and they're really good teammates. And if you talk to the guys in the room, you know, I always kind of say it with goalies is like there's goalies that are goalies and there's goalies that are players. And, and our guys are like players. Like that's their personality and, and they fit in with the guys. They're not – and on their own and doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they're really important in the room and part of the group, and, and they really work well together. And certainly in that sense for me, it makes my job a lot easier.
1: What were you? Were you a goalie or were you a player?
3: No, I was a player. Okay. Like, <laughs> Guys, guys, it's funny. I don't know. The guys always come like, but "You're the most normal goalie I've ever been around." I'm like, "Well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny.
1: Uh, what's, so you got a golf trip coming up? You got that next week, and uh, then it's pretty much all focused on the rest uh, on, on the start of the season.
3: Yeah, pretty much. We have one more family trip to BC and uh, Labor Day. Uh, Labor Day, and then uh, once you get back from that, it's yeah, it's back to back to business and back to work and. Uh, I think all the uh, all the staff will be back around then, and uh, we'll get to get to work and get after it.
1: Good stuff. Well, good to catch up with you, Barb's. Good to uh, good to chat with you. Enjoy the rest of your summer. We'll see you in a few weeks at the dome. Hey.
3: Yeah, sounds good, guys. And enjoy the uh, the heat. Well, you're inside right now, but it's really nice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not for long.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, looks, it looks like it's good out there. It'll be good.
1: Uh, we'll yeah. talk. We'll talk soon. Hey, good uh, good stuff. Thanks for doing this.
3: Okay, guys. Thanks. Have a good one.
1: Jason LaBarbera, Calgary Flames goaltending coach, joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest. Hotline 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344. Look, I I don't know how it's all going to play out. I don't know what Jacob Markstrom with that chip on his shoulder is going to look like. I'm quite optimistic that Jacob has a significantly better season this coming year yes. than the season that we just finished talking about last year. I just I, I think he's too good a goaltender to have a year like that again. It doesn't necessarily mean that he'll be a runner-up for the Vesna Trophy again, but I think he will return to being a very, very, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word the very least uh, a, a number one goalie in this league? Does he have to be of the very elite group like he was two seasons ago? Not necessarily, but can he return to being a number one in this league? Yeah, I I really do believe that.
0: And that's what the Calgary Flames need. If you want to throw out last season, and to, to be fair, throw out the Vesna season because those are the high and the low. He's, He's still really about out. a nine twelve goaltender, and if you can get that save percentage, if the Calgary Flames would have gotten that save percentage out of him last year, they're well into the playoffs. So if you can get him back to that spot, the Calgary Flames will be in a good position. I'm also curious about the wrinkles. What does another year of progress for Dan Vladar look like? Is Dustin Wolf able to steal significant crease time? These are some very curious questions I have as we get closer and closer. As you mentioned, August 15th, we're not that far off from rookie camp, Penticton, then main camp. Then before yep. you know it, it'll be the start of the season in October. He's Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. Our producers, Cam and
1: Taylor. My name is Pat. That'll start to wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. And uh, this hour has been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors.